Good morning. I'm Anna Marie, and it's time again for Focus. This morning, we have Jennifer Vida with Nurture the Next. Good morning, and thank you for joining us. Good morning, Anna Marie. Thank you for having us. Okay, so there's been a name change. Prevent Child Abuse Tennessee has changed its name to Nurture the Next. Yes, it has. Why the name change? What is this all about? We have been known as Prevent Child Abuse Tennessee for many years, mm-hmm. and we are now focusing on what we do rather than what we prevent. Folks tend to get stuck on the child abuse piece. Mm -hmm. And it has been a little bit of a barrier Mm -hmm. in providing services. Because your services... Because our services are about strengthening families and building healthy families. And when you hear child abuse, you think, I don't abuse my children. I don't need that service. Right. When our work is... So much more. Our work is about building those healthy foundations Mm -hmm. that good infant mother parent bonding, educating, advocating for services that protect and nurture healthy families. And so Nurture the Next says that. Yes. We are working with parents and with their children to be the best parents they can possibly be, to break cycles that may exist. Because when you know better, you do better. Mm -hmm. So our affiliation with Prevent Child Abuse America remains the same. We are the state chapter. There's a chapter of Prevent Child Abuse America in every state. And we are the state chapter for Tennessee. Okay. But our name now, we feel really, really resoundingly says what we do. Good. And it's important. You know, if you want to serve families, if you want to serve communities, you need to create a branding and a name that is inviting. Right. That says, oh, I can benefit from that. Mm-hmm. Struggling with parenting, not having a handbook of directions that tells you exactly what to do the minute you get pregnant or the minute you have a baby, normalizing that you're not supposed to know everything. Yes. From the jump, right? Or that some of the things you know may not be the best ways to do it. Perfect. Yes. Right. And so our parents in our program really want to do better for their children. Mm-hmm. They want to be better parents. They want to understand the developmental stages from infancy up to when they enter school and beyond. And so our programs give them the tools and the resources and the support to do that. I like the name change. I, I like that you are focusing on that more specifically because there are so many things in our life that have changed rapidly. Over the past few years, things have changed so fast that we need some clarity on issues. It's kind of like you, what popped into my mind when you were talking about uh, the name changes. It's kind of like having a restaurant that says not hot dogs or having a restaurant that's named Big Juicy Burgers. <laughs> right. Right. You're right. being very specific about what really that you do. Yeah. And so people know what to come to you for, for nurturing. And who comes to Nurture the Next? Who is who are the programs for? Our programs are for everyone. I mean, we have different levels of programming and different levels of support. Now, sometimes they groups say for everyone, but then it's like uh, under a certain right. income. Under... Right. So it depends on the program. Oh. So we have a variety of services. And our largest program is Healthy Families uh, America. And that is an evidence-based home visiting program. We can come in and start working with moms from the time that they find out they're pregnant to the child's fifth birthday. So that program does have um, sort of acceptance criteria. 
there are federal and state dollars put into that program, and obviously the focus is vulnerable families. So we want to get in early, mm-hmm. and we want to provide additional support for those parents. Vulnerable families. Vulnerable families, yes. Okay. So there, there is criteria um, that is used to sort of score to see if they qualify for that specific program. Right. Things like income level, age of the parents. So we have a lot of teen parents in our programs. Ah. Um, parents that may have experienced some type of abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, parents that um, may be in a domestic violence situation. Mm-hmm. Parents that are single parenting. Um, so there's a sort of a rubric of criteria for that program. Yeah. Um, and there are lots of agencies, great agencies and organizations that provide evidence-based home visiting around the state. What is evidence-based home visiting? Mean? Evidence-based means that if you deliver the program the way it is written and you maintain that fidelity, what we call program fidelity, which means that you're following the standards of the program mm-hmm. with the appropriate number of visits and the appropriate frequency. So you're going to see certain um, outcomes. We use a lot of tools to measure progress Mm -hmm. and to also use it to provide support. And it also means that it's been around a long time. There are organizations that have sort of vetted the program. And essentially, if a program is evidence-based, it is shown to be effective for what it is doing. That's kind of like my weight loss thing that I did last year. Uh, Evidence-based? If, if Yes. If yeah. you follow the plan and you have your support and then you you do get a des- the desired outcome. Correct. Yes. Interesting. I like that. I, that, I, that was my one of my big learns for the day. How has Nurture the Next been important during quarantine? Wow. I, so, I just think that yeah. there are a lot of people <laughs> who have been so isolated. Yes. So quickly, we had to look at our program delivery and make shifts we have make shifts is probably mild for most people it, it is was like, it is yes out, start over yeah so I, <laughs> I will say as a side note one of the great things about uh, nurture the next is that we are willing to learn as we go and we're willing to make adjustments yeah and tweaks as necessary you got to be you're you dealing with to. real life people yes. and their families yes and there's just so much going on all the time yeah so um we had to you know suddenly we had to make a decision right we can't go into folks homes anymore it's it's not safe for yeah. us it's not safe for them we don't this is a, a new uncharted territory yeah. we started forming discussion groups how are we going to continue to serve families how can we support them And we started doing virtual visits. Mm -hmm. So we started, you know, using video conferencing technology or phones to uh, provide support and provide curriculum for the families. And they've been really grateful to have that consistent support system. It's been like a lifeline for some families. Yes. And we have been able to provide necessary items to to families that we serve. Um, You know, we've had families that have lost jobs. and. Suddenly, families that are home with children that are no longer in school (laughs) trying to, you know, keep a few kids on track with their schooling and then maybe have a baby and or maybe pregnant and just a lot of things going on. So having that that consistent support um, has really been valuable and and has also given our own staff a sense of kind of normalcy of sort of continuing on in in some way. And. Mm -hmm. It's been a learning curve. You know, there are certain things in the program that are hard to do virtually. We've had to look at how we get things. This is really in the weeds, but how we get things like consents 
and and how we do enrollments in the program in this landscape. And so that's been challenging, but, you know, we've all been in it together and we've all been working and, and talking to families and getting their feedback and asking them what they need because that's what's important about our programs. And I, we only talked about one, which was the, the Healthy Families. We have several other programs. We'll go into those. But feedback from the families that we serve, we are there to serve them. All of our programs are voluntary. There's no court mandate that says you have to do this. Yeah. Um, these are folks that are doing this program because they want to be in the program. And so we have an imperative to listen to them, to provide them right. what they need right? rather than tell them what we think they need. Right. Which I think is unfortunately one of the mistakes that well-intentioned organizations sometimes do is we think we know how to fix the problem. Yes. But we're not there to fix problems, right? We're there to provide support and shine a light on the strengths that the family has and lift uplift them and make them feel more secure and more confident in their own skills. If you're just joining us, I'm Anna Marie and this is Focus. Our guest today is Jennifer Vida with Nurture the Next. Uh, Prevent Child Abuse Tennessee changed its name to Nurture the Next to emphasize basically what the organization does. I'm wondering, did you also see, because I noticed that our social situations changed with how we deal with each other all being cooped up. Some families say they got closer. Some say they're at each other's throats. What needs have changed in the families that Nurture the Next is serving during quarantine? What needs changed? So obviously it's individual family to family. Um, And sometimes you'll see in the more rural areas that this is not much of a change for them. They kind of live on their own, on property, sort of. They're kind of used to that. And then you might have folks in the more urban areas that are you know, used to being out and about and constantly on the go. So it really is, it, it depends family to family. Um, I think that the, the thing that's remained pretty consistent is that need for, again, I mentioned this earlier, but that need for some kind of normalcy. So some kind of consistent presence, person support. Because mm-hmm. um, even if it has brought you together after, you know, 12 hours cooped up in a house and then, you know, you're going to do the same thing tomorrow. <laughs> That can get a little tedious. I always joke when my, when I'm on my Zoom calls, if you need me, I'll be I'll be here tomorrow <laughs> in the same place in the same seat. I'm not going anywhere. And so, um, you know, the responses are just as unique and individual as the families we serve. Before we started the interview, Jennifer, you said your life's focus, your life's passion is what? My life's passion is helping build strong communities and families. We are, whether we realize it or not, we are so impacted um, by how our neighbors and our community is doing it, that, you know, that that phrase, no man is an island, mm-hmm. rings very true. Collective health and collective wellness, everyone benefits. At the beginning of my career, I was a teacher and I had um, a pretty startling event that took place at the uh, school that I was working for. And um, it, it really sort of changed my outlook on a lot of things. It, it kind of brought everything into focus for me. And, and when I decided to go back to school and get my master's, I knew that I wanted to do it in public health. Because do you want to say what that startling event was and what, how that? Flipped? Sure. Uh, there was a murder that took place on campus of one of the nuns that mm-hmm. worked for the school. And um, it ended up that one of the former students was the perpetrator. 
So how did that impact you? What, what, what revelation did you get from that? What insight? So I, I watched trauma play out in real time and I watched my young students respond and look for meaning and look for healing collectively and individually. The fallout from that, I've, I've remained, you know, in contact with a lot of my former students. They're wonderful, wonderful adults. That was a really formative experience for them and for me as a very young teacher. Mm-hmm. The side note, the, the way it was handled, unfortunately, was n- not great. I mean, we showed up on campus and there were still police there and it was, right. it was just a whole thing. But so I learned all kinds of things about crisis communications and and public relations that I used in a later job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause that's what we do. Right. We learn things and then we, we take them and we've sort of used yep. those lessons so we don't have to experience them again. It, it really brought into focus trauma. And I think that that's what drove me to, to public health is that, you know, when, when you talk about public health, very, very basic. And I know we're talking a lot about public health right now mm-hmm. because of uh, COVID-19 and the response and what we know and what we don't know, you know, public health is about, Going to that well and seeing why people keep getting sick from the water that they're drinking. Dr. Nadine Burke-Harris, who's a, a, a prominent um, advocate and researcher around average childhood experiences, uses this analogy in her TED Talk. Um, she says, you know, if, if you keep having folks are drinking from the well and they're, they're, they're getting sick, the, the doctor's going to prescribe medication for whatever, you know, bacterial yeah. infection or whatever. The public health person is going to go and say, what's in this well that's making people sick? Yeah. Right. Right. So that always really appealed to me. I think it's interesting to do both work, to do sort of systems level work where you're kind of looking at the big picture and and, you know, figuring out how to change or stem the tide. Right. And then the people who respond to the acute need. Um, so I, I've done both. I have a, a love and a passion for both. I love working with people but I really have found my my niche in like those systems, those sort of bigger picture things that then you can take and 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 make real change at a, at a global level. That's what Nurture the Next is about. Yeah. So Nurture the Next, we really do it at all levels, right? We have our programs that work directly with families at that individual level. Mm-hmm. And then we've got the advocacy work and the education and the training that we do that works with communities and systems so that we can invest more resources in, again, sort of stopping that cycle. Right. Or, you know, if you invest a dollar in a program, you're going to save five and a half to six dollars for every dollar in trying to uh, deal with that the that fallout right of it's that kind of early like the, kind of like the keeping the kids in school so they graduate instead of going to jail correct and that all the exactly trauma right. and all the damage that causes but then you look back and see what might have kept them in school right if they'd had a stronger family foundation and what might have kept that stronger is if the family had had some support right things like aftercare programs so kids are you know engaged and and have Adults that that support them and believe in them, they have the skills. We don't do aftercare programs, but I was using that as an example yes. of like yes. too much time is sometimes not good. Sure. <laughs> so, um, you know, having having these you know programs that exist and you know feeding feeding children that may only have one one meal maybe or two meals a day, those are all things to build 
that health and to give a better foundation and a better start. And it, it's it's difficult because you do have to respond to the crisis. You do have to respond to the acute. Our domestic violence helpline does that. We run the 24-7 domestic violence helpline in the state of Tennessee. And we, we deal with that acute crisis all the time, our parenting helpline as well. Um, and it's not to say that the families that we serve directly also don't have you know, crises that may creep up mm-hmm. um, and we can help with that. And and so it's not that those things aren't going to happen. It's just that when you can get in earlier and faster, then you can provide support and the effects of them will be less than if you just ignored it or it wasn't appropriately written it responded to in a healthy way. Just the simple act of providing food for kids that you mentioned earlier not only helps the child, but it helps the parent, takes a, a weight off of the parent when the parent doesn't have to stress about, I'm just always trying to struggle to put food in the kids' mouths. I don't really have time for parenting. I really don't have, I just, you know, here's your little, you know, tablet, do right. that, go out and play, don't know where you are, because I'm at work, I've got to work to keep food in the house. Just there's so many minor things that seem minor, but that add up to, a household that's struggling and then a child that's struggling and then the next generation that's struggling because they have not learned how to the behaviors that can keep them from that struggle. That's exactly right. And, you know, while, while we don't we don't run food banks, right, we don't have the ability to, to go grocery shopping for families. We can connect them with resources that can. Yeah. It is very difficult for families to juggle and manage a lot of things at once. Yeah. And so when you can when they can share a concern and you can say there's this resource or, you know, mm-hmm. let's look at this to help with that. That definitely is that support that they need. So they don't they don't feel alone. A lot of our work um, is built around protective factors for families. Protective factors are, you know, social social and physical support for parents. And that is really, really important. You know, the way that a child, quote unquote, turns out as an adult is 100 percent on the parent and what happens in the home is completely missing the bigger picture because it is systems. What opportunities does that parent have? What kind of community support does that parent have? Where, what is the housing availability? What is, can they afford rent? How many jobs are they working? You cannot just say, well, this is just the fault of the parent. This was, you know, terrible parenting. This is a a bigger picture. It's hard to absorb that because it seems like such a huge problem Mm -hmm. that has no solution but it does right and it's it is about investing the resources and taking the time to think about what those are and our programs the outcomes that our programs focus on are actually made to assist individuals with looking at those things so in our our healthy families program for example we're looking at things like does a child have a, a medical home can we work with the family to set goals so that they can, you know, be prepared to, to interview for jobs or go back to school or find stable housing? So in addition to working, because these are all things that are really important for raising healthy children. So right. we're working on the curriculum stuff with the parents. So we're saying, OK, your child is six months old. Mm-hmm. Look at the, the the development. This is what's happening with the brain development. This is what the appropriate expectations of your child are at this point. This is what nutrition looks like. This is what well child visits look like. But at the same time, we're working with the parent on what are your goals for your family? Yes. And how can we help you actually set those goals? 
goals and work towards those goals, support you and provide you with the resources that you need to achieve those goals and then celebrate those milestones with you. I love the fact that you're bringing goals and what the parent wants into the picture and what the parent needs to be successful and to be happy and to be fulfilled. Because I've noticed that, for example, in families where the kids are raised and it's like you're going to college, we've got the money in the bank, we've started a college fund, you're going to college. The kids tend to go to college. In some families, it's not even thought of. It's never mentioned. It's not even on the table because they're just surviving. And the parents have not been taught that. The parents have not been taught that there might be more for you if you want to achieve it, and there might be some support for you. So I love that you're bringing the goals in for the parents instead of like, let's take the kids off to camp and teach them some stuff and then send them right back into the the same environment where the parents are struggling. Yes. And so in it, the program, one of the early activities that we do with, with families is like what I want for my child. It's sort of this activity that the home visitors do. And they put things on the table that, like you said, maybe parents have never thought about. And so it opens up a whole new world. And it says these things are possible and they're achievable. And it is, again, at the pace of the parent and the desire of the parent. Yes. But you're absolutely right. If, if you don't even know that those things are possible, they're not going to be on your radar at all. Mm-hmm. I don't want to diminish at all the challenge and just sometimes surviving day to day. If yes. you're living in extreme poverty or, you know, violence is common, you know, where you live. And there's just a lot. I, I never want to diminish that. And success looks different for each individual. And it's at the behest of the person. It's at, it's at their their direction. Yeah. But. The expectations thing is totally right. Like people do rise to meet expectations. You know, some of our some of the anecdotal stories that we hear from our home visitors is they'll they'll hear from parents like no one ever told me they believed in me. No one ever told me that I could even think to, you know, go back and get my GED or that I could maybe, you know, own my own house someday. Like I've never heard anyone say that to me before. Dang. And there are a lot of people like that. Yeah. You know, it's it's like getting back to our name. Words matter. Yeah. They matter. I mean, actions matter, too. But words matter. The way you speak to people, the way you encourage them, um, and really fundamentals, the listening. Our, our home visitors go in and they listen. Mm-hmm. And then they validate. And then they present information. And they present options. And that really opens up a whole new world. To have options and to have hope. To have options and hope. Yeah. If you're just joining us, I'm Anna Marie, and this is focusing. Our guest today is Jennifer Vida, and she is with Nurture the Next. You can get information at nurturethenext.org. Prevent Child Abuse Tennessee changed its name to Nurture the Next to emphasize what the organization does. What other things does Nurture the Next offer to families? So in addition to Healthy Families, which is our evidence-based home visiting program, we also offer a shorter-term parenting program. It's um, about eight weeks. And that is uh, for parents that just, again, want to learn skills, want to want to do better um, and learn new things. Or maybe they have a specific challenge with their child. The criteria for that is a lot more open. Um, it is focused on parents with children zero to eight. But, you know, we have in our mission and our vision to help all parents. Good. So, you know, we have had parents that have, you know, young teens and they're really struggling with that transition. Mm-hmm. And so there is um, one of our one of our staff uh, people go in and set again goals with the family on what they want to focus on over those eight weeks. And they go into the home once a week for eight weeks or now 
uh, virtually. Yeah. Um, and they they sort of work with the parent on those those specific goals or parents. A lot mm-hmm. of times, you know, there's multiple. There might be grandma and mom raising a kid together, and they're both in the program. Or mm-hmm. that's a shorter term program. Um, we also have a statewide parent leadership initiative where we um, train parents who are very interested in being sort of vocal advocates for issues impacting families in their communities. And so we get them involved in regional advisory boards and um, different um, organizations. They do like day on the hill visits with legislators and they really advocate for services and programs that benefit children. And they're kind of taught those skills. And we have that across the state. Um, As I mentioned earlier, we run the domestic, the statewide domestic violence helpline. That number is 1-800-356-6767. That's a 24 seven helpline that we operate. Folks can call at any time if they need um, any kind of crisis counseling, shelter resources in their area. Uh, We offer the statewide parenting helpline, which is 1-800-CHILDREN. Again, 1-800-CHILDREN. Anytime you're feeling overwhelmed as a parent, you have questions, you need someone to talk to. I bet that rings all the time. That is another (laughs) 24-7 line where there is an empathetic, highly trained person on the other end of the phone that is there to listen (laughs) and is there to talk you down if that's what you need at the moment. I think if you're a parent, you've probably been there more than once. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And then um, we do our Stewards of Children program, which is an evidence-based child sexual abuse prevention training for adults. And it's a two-hour training that essentially teaches adults how to appropriately spot and respond to childhood sexual abuse in different settings the program is great because this discussion is a facilitated discussion. It dives in a little deeper, particularly with organizations that are interested in making sure that they have safe environments, like safe work environments, safe school environments to protect children, and really focuses on the fact that the responsibility is on the adult to protect the child and not on the child to protect the child. So that is... Is we, that how we've been doing it? There, It is important to have conversations with children about... Respect, safe touch, Mm -hmm. all of those things. But I think what the program emphasizes is that you do have those conversations. You do definitely talk to children. When all is said and done, it is the the adult's responsibility to create safe environments for children, to advocate for them, and to make sure that should the unspeakable happen, that they have a safe place and mm-hmm. someone that they can talk to. And did you notice how you just said that? The unspeakable. The unspeakable. Because the kids don't speak about it. That is correct. So we've got to and make And people don't sa- like to talk about it. No. It's trauma that a lot of folks carry. And I, I actually use that word intentionally not to say that it is unspeakable, mm-hmm. but it is, there is some sense of we don't talk about those things. Mm-hmm. What's in the past is in the past. We move on from it. Mm-hmm. What happens in the home stays in the home. Yeah. All of those types of things. We cannot begin to um, to appropriately respond to these things unless we're willing to put a name to it, right? We have to be willing to talk about it. We have to be willing to figure it out together. We yeah. have to be willing to make some difficult choices. There is stigma associated with that, just like there is stigma associated with asking for help as a parent because you're just supposed to know. Yeah. Like, what? what's wrong with me? Like, I don't, why don't I immediately feel 
connected to this baby that I just had. There must be something really wrong with me. Or why am I three months in and I can't even get out of bed? I'm so depressed. Mm-hmm. Right? These things have names. They're real. Right? Postpartum depression is real. Taking a while to bond is something that happens to some people. Yeah. This, is, there is, this is not a shameful thing. You have to be willing to put words to it. and You have to be willing to um, make space for it and make space for those conversations. I would guess that there are a lot of parents who don't realize that they could do better because that's all they've ever seen. That's all they have seen modeled from their parents. Sure. And don't realize that there are different ways, ways that they that everybody in the family could thrive more. Yeah. And so hopefully when they are intersecting with different people, maybe like like their OBs or or pediatricians or a social worker in the hospital, what we'd love for people to know is that these programs like ours exist. Good. So, you know, it's very easy to make a referral. Good. You go on our website or you call us, you know, the service exists. We follow up with the family. It's out of your hands. Mm-hmm. That is sort of that, again, open door, right? Like yeah. these things exist. I think that this would be great for you. Yeah. You could, everyone, everyone can use additional support. Yeah. We always laugh because I wish I had a home visitor mm-hmm. when I had both of my <laughs> children. Um, and if I could go back and, and, you know, I would definitely seek out that I didn't even know this existed. Right. I would have loved to have a home visitor. Uh, you know, hopefully one day it will be universal. Yes. There will be a universal parenting where every parent gets support. I think that would be great. Um, that's really ultimately the vision that we have. Um, Let's you know, baby do steps. It. Let's but, do it. Yes. Okay. We're out of time for today in any final thing that you would like to say that I've neglected to ask you about? I just want to make sure that I went through all our programs. So I mentioned nurturing parenting, healthy families, both of our uh, helplines and uh, stewards of children. And um, we also do shaken baby abusive head trauma prevention in all of the birthing hospitals in Tennessee. So it's really important for new parents to understand that babies will cry. Sometimes they will cry for a long time. Mm -hmm. And it's really important for parents to understand that they need to have a plan, a safety plan. That's why our parenting helpline exists. Sort of learn that this might happen. Step away. Take a breather. You know, this is something that's very real. And so we do those um, trainings and prevention and education in the hospitals as well. Okay. Parents, you need to reach out. You have some help. NurtureTheNext.org is the website. We'll put all that information as well as the helplines on our Focus Facebook page. Jennifer Vida, thank you very much. Thank you, Anna Marie. NurtureTheNext.org. That's it for today. Make sure you join us again next week. I'm Anna Marie, and that's Focus.